You're listening to the Finding Your Freestyle podcast with Tracy Kafer. Episode one, The Conscious Chef. Hello. Hi. My name is Tracy Kafer. Welcome to the Finding Your Freestyle podcast. So this is our first podcast and we're coming to you from up here in the Hudson Valley in New York. So uh, you are probably going to hear birds and you're probably going to hear cars and things like that. But we thought it'd be really nice to be outside to talk to you today about food and mindful eating. Um, I'm here with the conscious chef. Hello, conscious chef. Hi. <laughs> so um, full disclosure, Kieli Torini, who has started the conscious, con- conscious chef, has uh, has been a dear friend of mine for, for many, many years. She's actually like a pole OG. She's recently <laughs> celebrated her 11th anniversary pole dancing. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> um, so we've been pole dancing a long time together. We've um, She's been in Pole Speak, my pole dance company, and um, she's actually our official retreat chef. And so when I thought about starting the podcast, I actually kept seeing her in my mind. I kept seeing... Um, just a really nice conversation about food because I think a lot of what we do with our movement practice can infuse our eating practice um, because preparing food and eating food can also be uh, be a very sensory-driven and intuitive experience just as movement can be as well. So um, I hope you'll come along with us as we talk about food today and um, stay tuned for more in the coming weeks. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for coming. I'm so happy to be here. You know how much I love coming up to your house, and (laughs) it's so peaceful with the birds and the trees, and I love your environment and your space, and it makes me feel very comfortable. And I'm happy we're doing this outside. It's such a beautiful day, and hopefully... Everyone will tune in hear what we have to say. What yeah. We have to talk about. You know, the last time Kelly was up here, we were rescu- rescuing baby squirrels from my tree. So we've always had lots of adventures outside up here. Yeah, for sure. So let's get started. Um, I think we want to start with just your story. Uh, you know, people who have not heard of you before, maybe they haven't been to our retreats. They haven't, you know, had their life changed by your food. Sure. <laughs> which has happened to me. <laughs> um, tell us about your background. What got you started in this field? Um, whatever you want to share. Okay. Um, so my name's Kieli again, and I'm really happy to be here and speaking with all of you. And I am a natural food chef and the founder of my company called Conscious Chef, and it's based in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. I have a background in food and healing and a concentration in whole food learning. I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute, which is a culinary school in New York City that is based, the curriculum is based around whole foods, eating natural foods, and um, health-supportive alternatives. And so I was trained to cook for people who have severe illnesses, cancers, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, joint pains, any kind of ailments, which I love and I specialize in. I decided to to come into this field because of my background, I am Guamanian, um, Chamorro, that's how you call people from Guam. And <laughs> the food there, we're, our whole culture is centered around food. And to be honest with you, not the most healthy either. Mm. And so, you know, growing up too, I, I learned how to cook from my grandmother 
and I spent countless hours with her in the kitchen and she helped me learn how to cook intuitively and a lot of times I would be with her in the kitchen and we would just have a few items um, and foods and we would just she would teach me how to put it all together and to make it taste really good and so that's sort of how I started appreciating cooking intuitively and I actually just came into this career not so long ago, a few years ago. I actually spent 14 years in the fashion industry. So design, uh, graphic design and product designer in my background and they were really my first love. Right. And that's right. And that's how I started my career in New York City and living here. And that happened for 14 years. I recently just stepped out of it because I decided that I really wanted to be in a career that was helpful to people and healing for people. Absolutely. And I decided I wanted to serve humanity that way. And I also feel like people are at a disadvantage because, you know, a lot of people I know don't know how to cook. And it's interesting because I heard this yesterday, somebody told me this, um, as millennials, and I'm going to be 37 this year and I'm right at the start of the millennial age, we're considered the foodie generation. Mm. But it's interesting because most people I know who are millennials don't know how to cook. And I'm not just saying millennials too. I think I've met people in every age bracket that don't know how to cook, whether in your, you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they don't know what to cook well for themselves. And I was determined to work in a field that helped people learn how to do that. I mean, food is such a core experience of life. Yeah. And I feel like when we don't know how to engage with that fully and to Mm -hmm. feel a sense of freedom, to feel a sense of play um, and creational energy around food. And I can speak of this in my own life. It just becomes this thing you just have to get done. Yeah. This, this box you have to tick. And um, we're in an an incredible age of still being able to be that lazy Mm -hmm. and find quality ingredients Mm-hmm. As you say, like it's 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 widely available, especially in New York City. You yeah. can kind of eat based on any food preference, any dietary standard. However, we are starting to get so removed from the experience of preparing it and selecting food for ourselves and um, putting it together together in a way that is an expression of who you are, and um, and then being conscious of <laughs> what nutrients you're taking in. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but yeah, so. So Kieli, again, she was our retreat chef last year, and we have a retreat coming up on Labor Day weekend in just a couple of months. We have five spots left, and that's a shameless plug, but I do really want to encourage (laughs) you if if you want to have this kind of intentional experience, the food at this retreat is so gorgeous. I mean, we have photos up on our Facebook page of the food that she prepared. I mean, she was putting edible flowers on it. It was just, they were works of art, but they were delicious and they were so nourishing. Yeah, and I like it. I love the food too because I source local ingredients from local farms not so far away. Right. Everything, I worked really hard with. You got a mosquito. I do. (laughs) Everything everything, um, was sourced, yeah, locally um, I just tried to get the best ingredients as possible and come up with dishes that were pretty in sync with what the curriculum that you know Tracy and the team were teaching yeah all in all the retreat is a beautiful experience and I encourage everybody if you can to definitely come and spend time with us yeah because it'll be life-changing that was one thing I took away from the students that were that were there you know they all said that this was an amazing 
transformative experience. It's been wonderful too, because obviously I keep in touch with everyone that's come to our events and it's amazing to see the directions people's lives take. And one of the things I found is people were so inspired at the end of the retreat to be much more intentional with the way that they were eating. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. now that we talked a little bit about you know your background and what you've studied and what inspires you, um, do you have anything to share about what your experience has been you know, with food, how you've transformed the way you use it in your life. Yes. That's one thing I didn't touch on when I was, <laughs> when I was talking about my background. So I got also into food, not just because of where I come from, but when I was 20, 27 or 28, right. I got very sick with a, a nickel poisoning. I was, uh, I had a metal toxicity and I got it because I put metal braces in my mouth in order to straighten out my teeth. And I didn't know I was being poisoned for seven months. I just wanted to straighten my teeth out and had no idea. What ended up happening to me was I got really bad rashes and lesions all over my body from head to toe. I was covered Holy in crap. rashes. It was, it was raw. And so I went to the dermatologist and doctors and nobody knew what was going on with me. They ended up just pumping me with steroids, um, prednisone, tons of it, topical steroids as well. And just taking multiple biopsies on my body just to figure it out. And whenever they would send it to the lab and come back to me with results, nobody would know what was going on. So I was actually with a friend of mine. Her name is Melissa. We were in China on a work trip and she was helping me figure out what was going on with my body. And she was the one through who helped me figure out that maybe it was a nickel allergy. Mm. So I went back to the orthodontist. They looked up the brace system. It did in fact have nickel. And so I got them taken out. Within two days, I felt better, but it didn't heal me. I still had the same problems that I was having. The rashes, I had twitches going on, I couldn't sleep properly, and then the drugs made me a crazy, part of my French, heinous bitch. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know what, there has to be a better way. And I know people who have had, you know, terminal illnesses like cancers have also come to this point and said, there has to be a better way. Right. So I just decided to try eliminating things from my diet uh, slowly but surely. So I started cutting out meat. I started cutting out dairy, um, processed foods to the point where I became a full-fledged organic vegan. And I wanted to do that for a little while just to reset my body and reset my system. And it worked. And so after a year, I was completely free of any toxicities in my body. I even stopped taking birth control. I stopped taking all of the pills, anything ingestible that I would put in my body, I stopped taking it. Yeah. Um, and really focused on ingredients that were good for me and ingredients that I can digest properly. And I started listening to my body a lot more and I lost a ton of weight, the good weight that I needed to lose. <laughs> uh, my skin cleared everything. I mean, I've never felt better in my entire life. Incredible. And so that's how I, then a few years later was inspired to really learn how to cook properly and professionally. And I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute and they're an amazing school. They have amazing cooking classes and they have something called the Friday night dinner, which um, the students get together and that's basically their final. And they design the menu, they come up with the menu, the costing, all of that. And then you have a beautiful dinner. You've been to one. I was there. Yep, you were there. <laughs> You've been to my final. It was so and wild. It was amazing. It was and so amazing to watch you back. I mean, you looked legit. Yeah, was, I was very was proud. Great. It was awesome. Thanks. Um, so 
Yeah, so I decided to go there, and I actually learned something very valuable. And I thought I would be a super vegan at that point. Like, mm. oh, yes, I'm already, like, a great, you know, organic vegan. I've done all the things. I'm going to be a super vegan and learn all about phytonutrients and all of that stuff. And what ended up happening was that I ended up learning that really there is no one diet for everybody and your body is constantly changing because the world and your environment around you are constantly moving and changing. So it's pretty ignorant to think that there's one way of eating for everybody. And at that point, I, you know, learned that my blood type was an O positive. I really am a meat eater and I do very well on tropical fruits, vegetables, fish, anything made with coconut milk, because the truth is that's my heritage. Right. And that's what is the most digestible for me. And having uh, optimum digestion is the key factor in nutrition. So it's just interesting the way I shifted my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And you you look at anything, even, you know, movement modalities. It does, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not one size fits all no. that will help your body um, feel... Uh, free to explore the way it wants to explore. Yeah. Like all of us have a different pace. We have a different, yeah. um, you know, different gifts. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine that, you know, when people get very, I don't know the word I would use, maybe dogmatic about mm. what foods you, you have to have in your diet yes. and what frequency and blah, blah, blah. Um, it does seem it does seem underdeveloped as a concept. It does. My goal is to help people open up their minds, hearts and souls through learning about whole food, nourishment, healing, and making conscious choices truthfully. And so that way they can live an exceptional, holistic, fulfilled lifestyle just by making different choices about the foods that they eat and really listening to your body, which is why I promote intuitive cooking. And it's an all new concept. It's a bit forward, but it's the, the whole idea has been around for a while and it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I want to teach people how to intuitively cook for themselves. This was one of the big reasons that I wanted to talk to you about this because, um, obviously like with finding your freestyle intuition is, is the core Mm -hmm. of, of learning to understand like what movement do you want to create in this moment and spontaneously and the way that I've been shown cooking paths is usually someone shoves a cookbook in my hands and it's like go pick a recipe and it's so fun and I've never ever connected with that format I find it boring yeah Yeah. it's funny that you say that because (laughs) I have my online cooking program it's called From Clueless to Craveworthy and The very first thing that I tell people is if you want to cook, don't start with the recipes. Mm. It's, very, it's so funny that you say that because it feels so robotic, unmotivate, um, unmotivating. To me, it's robotic. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, you have to learn your palate first. So mm. instead of learning recipes, you need to learn your palate and be ex- very experimental with food. Um, I just think that if you take a recipe and you follow it robotically, you, you, someone else wrote that recipe and you may not like something about it. Nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. you don't like something about it. Mm-hmm. You want to change something just based on your own taste buds. So that's really funny you said that because I don't believe in following recipes. I believe in learning my palate, creating my own recipes, using re- other recipes as inspiration, right. right? And then figuring out what works for you and then writing that down for myself. And cut. <laughs> We're inside now because someone decided to mow the lawn. There was too much machinery noise. But um, Kiali was actually talking about how recipes and 
trying to find your instincts and cooking that way is just a little bit tough and against the flow. So I was going to ask Kelly, you know, if that's not the way, and maybe that's the only option that we see in front of us, what else could we do to get started with just eating and preparing food more intentionally and just learning to trust ourselves more? Again, that's a big question, oh, yeah, but true. I love, but I love talking about this because, you know, depending on you know where you're trying to go with food for yourself, mm. there's so many different answers. So generally speaking, I think it's important to really identify what foods you love and what foods you don't love in every facet. So ask yourself, what vegetables do I love? What vegetables do I not love? It can even be as broad as what cuisines do I love? Do you love Italian food? Do you love Mexican food? Do you love Indian food? If you love American food, what types do you like? And it's okay if you like hot dogs because that says something about you. You like a sandwich, you like something meaty, you like something salty, and then you can start to think about what other foods can still then can give you that satisfaction, you know? Mm. So I think it's really important to focus and narrow down what you love and what you don't love, and then that's sort of the start of it. Um, and, and then identify the flavors. Now, there are five... How do I say this? <laughs> there are five tastes that I think everyone should be aware of, and they're pretty simple when you break that down. It's bitter, right? Sweet sour, salty, and a new kid on the block that we call umami. And umami is more of a a savory flavor that just sort of balances all the dishes and brings, ties the room together. Hmm. And if you have those specific flavors, and it's something we're not really aware of, but these are flavors that we are drawn to. And I know I'm drawn to sweet flavors. You're probably drawn to like sour or salty it depends on what you're feeling. And I think for women, I'm going off on a tangent sort of, but I think for women, depending on where we are in our cycle, and that's a whole other story, we crave thing, different things every week. And it's really interesting. Um, but you know, that's for another time, but I think it's important to identify the five tastes and then also textures that you like. So if you know you're a person that likes something creamy and you know, you're a person that likes something sweet, maybe you like pudding, for example, Um, Or ice cream. If you like, you know, something creamy and smooth but salty, maybe you like an avocado with some good quality salt on it, and that could be like a snack or something. Absolutely. So it really just, it's important to identify the cuisines you love, the foods that you really love, and then the flavors and what you're drawn to. And um, I think being experimental in the kitchen, like I was saying, is really important. So I'm going to use an omelet as an example because... Most people I know know how to crack eggs, whip them together, and make an omelet or scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs is an easier one. But if you wanted to experiment with something as simple as that, because I think eggs are the perfect food. Um, They have the right amount of amino acids. They have the right amount of protein, the right amount of fat, and the right amount of carbohydrates. That's one of the things I learned at the Natural Gourmet is an egg is a perfect food. And it's true. And most people I know have eggs to feel satisfied, nourished, healthy. It's the kind of protein that doesn't weigh you down. It's really good for you. So, and if you use that as a base 
and add flavors to that, then you can sort of discover what you like. And I think having eggs in the morning and breakfast foods is a perfect way to do that. So Mm -hmm. if you are making an egg, scrambled eggs, and you want to add something bitter, I would add like a fresh lettuce in there or like fresh arugula if you like that because it's bitter or radicchio, something like that. And if you want something sweet, add in roasted bell peppers because when you roast them, they taste sweet or even you know, like an organic ketchup, if you're a ketchup person, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want something sour, add like a pickled element or spicy element, like um, a pickled jalapeno. I really like those in my eggs and I think they're really good. That sounds good. Yeah, they're so good. Or like a fresh squeeze of lemon juice or lime juice really brightens the flavor. If you, I think um, having something salty for me, that's the egg itself. And then something umami, cheese, some Parmesan cheese or whatever che- or good quality cheese you like or mushrooms. And then if you want to add a texture on top of that, because I'm a big texture person, um, add a crunch. Maybe you add something crunchy to it. Like um, this is going to sound funny, but sometimes I do this. If I have like good quality like tortilla chips, I'll just crunch it up if I want to. Yep. <laughs> uh, just to add something kind of crunchy. Or if you like something smooth, I put an avocado on there. And you sort of have to mm. like start experimenting that way. This is a very easy example. And I, I, I'm resonating, like I'm nodding my head the whole time she's talking because I feel like this is where I began and I'm still very, very early on in my exploration of yeah. food. Um, but I started with the egg because it was the only thing that didn't terrify me to prepare yeah. and to feed to other people. And it, something about preparing food for other people is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it's your expression and it's something you make and then someone puts it in their mouth and eats it. I mean, it's really scary. It's totally vulnerable and I completely <laughs> agree with you. But you know what I love is that when you start building your food intuition, that creates confidence in you because mm. as you start, and I, I talk about this in my program, as you start to, you know, figure out what foods really work for you and what tastes good for you, that will build confidence to a be more experimental and be more creative all the time. So it, it's it's a natural progression, and I think it's beautiful. And another thing I want to say about helping you, people get better through food and also cook more intuitively for themselves that isn't really talked about. I think making your kitchen your sacred space is so important. A lot of people don't do that. And I think it's really important. Um, Treat it like you would your home office or your library or your garden, somewhere that you can find peace and tranquility and set yourself up for success. If you know you want to invest in your health and invest in food, invest in good quality kitchen products, like a good quality knife, and a cutting board. There's nothing more terrifying than going to work in someone's space. <laughs> if I'm if I'm doing a private chefing gig and I'm working in someone's space and they just have the worst kind of cutting board that is flopping all over the place. It's not stable. I sometimes would bring my own cutting board places just because if I'm more comfortable in the kitchen, whatever I can do to set myself up for success, I'll do it. Um, And also, so I I, I would say invest in a good cutting board, a great knife. Always keep your knives sharp because if they're not sharp, you are more likely to get hurt, Mm. um, even though that sounds backwards. And what else do I want to say? Oh, invest in a really good set of storage containers of all shapes and sizes because if you want to live a healthy life and prepare foods properly, it's important to store foods properly. 
that was something that I learned in culinary school too. You should definitely save leftovers. And at some point you have a bunch of leftovers, play the leftover game mix it all together and see what you make and see what tastes good. I, I remember love doing your that. fridge is like a treasure chest of <laughs> sauces and things that you can make anything more fancy and more delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just having, it's like a little library yeah. in your fridge yeah. of things that I, are fresh. I like having an arsenal of herbs that, you know, I've saved and they're in a Tupperware ready to go. And my boyfriend and I go as far as to whenever he goes grocery shopping and he brings it home, immediately he'll take out an onion and just start dicing it into small dices and putting it into a Tupperware. So in the morning, he can just throw it in a pan like a for scrambled eggs and everything's ready to go. So we right. we call that mise en place in the food world. And so it's basically just preparing yourself for, you know, just to throw things together. And also another tip is if you get masking tape and a Sharpie and keep it in your kitchen, you can label things right away. And so it's you don't have to guess when you look in and you know you look in your refrigerator and you say to yourself, "Oh, what is that?" Yeah. It says it right away. So it's easy to just sort of play the game of putting everything together and getting creative. So when you say sacred space, because I love this because in movement, I also feel this way about dance space, that mm-hmm. it should feel sacred and you should have things in there that make it feel good to you. Mm-hmm. And what you described were having the right tools. Mm-hmm. Is there, and, I, and this might be a tangent, but is there anything that could also go in the kitchen that can just help you feel more comfortable beyond just having the right tools, but ambiance, does that matter or um, color or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, I think. And it depends on everyone's space. But I think the less clutter you have, the better. And also, cleanliness is a big deal. People are so discouraged to cook for themselves when your sink is full of stuff. I think, you know, you should have a plant or something nearby. It doesn't even have to be a plant. It could be a bowl full of apples, something fresh outside that encourages people to yeah. cook more and um, to live Ooh, a healthier life. That's such a life. good idea. Just or oranges, that. you know, yeah. bananas, something hanging outside. Um, reminding I, you of real food. Reminding you of real food. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. So, so sacred space and and having having that foundation dish to start to play with. Mm-hmm. Where, where would you? Where do you want to go from there? I mean, because there's so many directions when it comes to getting started, but how, so if you don't mind me going in this direction. Mm, Okay. So once you understand your preferences, like I know I, for me, I know I like really rich food and that leads me to want to eat cheese. Mm -hmm. But what I want to eat is not what my body wants. I have a dissonance, right? So I want rich cheese. It makes me feel satiated and full and I'm not eating meat anymore. And so it's, it's that fat that I've been craving, but then my digestion system hates it. What do you do? Like, how do you learn to replace ingredients if you know, okay, I love this shit, but it's not actually what I should be eating. (sighs) (laughs) Repeat that again. How do I, yeah. So time I want to digest that. No, let's do it. I want to say the right things. No, no, absolutely. And I'm just bringing up my own example because Mm -hmm. it's just easier for me to access. For me, I know I like rich food. I like richness. I like fats. Yes. And so that leads me to want to pull out the cheese and put it on my eggs. Okay. But my digestion hates it. Right. I think, well, let me ask you this. Have you, what kind of cheese are you talking about specifically? Because we'll. Oh, I eat all the cheese. How about ricotta (laughs) cheese? 
I haven't. Do you like um, cheese? I used to put cottage cheese. Okay. On my eggs. Similar, similar enough. So, have you ever tried like fresh organic cottage cheese? Yes, I think so. How did that do with your digestion compared to like the regular cottage cheese that you get in the grocery store? But that's the you bring generic up a good brand. point. Is like actually doing the work. So like trying this replacement ingredient and then observing my body Mm -hmm. because I can't say that I remember Mm. what happened, how it was different. Because I could say, try a dairy-free option and get cashew cheese or Mm. vegan cheese, but you know... I don't necessarily think that that may the best be be the best solution for you. I'm more of try the pure organic ingredient and compare how you feel. Mm. Like even 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 though I'm a natural food chef and I really stick to that, it's about natural foods. I used to be a hardcore vegan and would use all the vegan replacements and supplements like vegan mayo and vegan cheese. Um, not to dog that, but I just found that that was also overly processed. So I don't think that that's the best route. And it was not very good for my digestive system, even though I was eating pretty healthily. Mm. Now I would say, whatever you love, try to get it in the purest form. So if you're a cheese eater, and I'm a cheese eater too, I love cheese. sounds so funny. Cheese Cheese eater. Hashtag. Hashtag cheese eater. (laughs) I think work your best to get it in the purest form and just make better choices with the types of, you know, foods, rich foods that you love and don't eat it all the time. Mm -hmm. I would eat, you know, generally two days a week. And then the next day after that say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give my body a break. I'm going to give it two days, not eating, you know, any type of dairy and eat stuff that would be good for your digestive system. So you know, have some turmeric teas or, you know, have something with cinnamon in it. Mm. Things that will help your digestive system. You know, um, that's what I have to say about that. I think that, I don't think that Sounds you should like restrict. moderation. Yeah, and it's, I don't think yeah. you should restrict your body to anything that you love. I think it's mo- way more important to just shift the quality of what you're getting and invest in better quality food. You know, that's... Yeah. And you posted something really awesome today on Instagram that was like how to start eating intuitively. Oh, yeah. And I love that because I I think we should talk a little bit about that for a second on how to, you know, how to follow your intuition. Um, And that infographic, and we shared it at Finding Your Food Cell as well. (laughs) Um, So you can check that out. But starting to eat intuitively and starting to cultivate trust. Yeah, it's so important. Um, And that really is focusing on the ingredients. So I'll go over what I posted today because for all of you who didn't see it, um, I posted an infographic that is entitled How to Start Intuitively Eating. And the first thing is stop dieting. Like we said earlier, and there is no one diet for anybody. I thought that way. And I, trust me, I used to be one of those hardcore vegans that would preach. If you were eating meat and I saw you, I'd say, do you know where that came from? Mm. Do you know how many animals are being killed? Do you know how wasteful it is? I used to get in people's faces and I was probably quite annoying, but I learned that there really is no one diet for anybody. And even just the word diet is a bad word in my, in my mind. And you can't eat intuitively if you focus on dieting and you really just have to focus on the foods and ingredients that make you 
feel good and give you energy and make you feel vibrant and satisfied and full. We were just eating today and we made a really simple oh, meal. So we had good. a lot of fresh food and afterwards I felt whoo up, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the way people should feel. Um, I never liked the the comparison of having a Thanksgiving meal yeah. and you're supposed to feel so full and you're supposed to feel so comatose. No, you're really not. So I think that if you focus on what foods make you feel energized and vibrant, that's really good for you and just stop dieting altogether. And then the second thing that I will talk about is reconcile with your body, make peace with your body, call a truce with your body and say, listen, I'm your friend. You're going to be my friend and I'm going to treat you like I'm taking care of you and you're someone that I love. And you always have to remember, especially as movement people like you and I, We focus so much on the exteriors of our body and how we move, how we feel, how we look on the outside. Try to shift the way you think and think about how you look on the inside. What do your organs look like? We're so vain about our our faces, Mm -hmm. our abs, our our asses, (laughs) everything. You know, we're so vain about how small our waist is, but nobody ever thinks, well, how does my liver look? It sounds crazy. Mm. But if you were to take all your organs and put them on the outside of your body, would you want to show them off? So think about it that way. Treat your body on the outside, on the inside just as well as you treat your body on the outside and things will definitely shift for you. You'll look at food differently and you'll say to yourself, all right, I'm looking at this Snickers bar. Is this going to be good for me? Really think about it and say, okay, I'm craving like what this, it but is. is it right? Is yeah. it going to be good for me? Probably not. Eat something else that will be good for you. And we'll talk about cravings later, but yeah. And so I just think that if you, you know, be at peace with your body and become friends with it, you'll be in a much better place. And the third thing that I wrote is remember food is just food. So on that topic, give yourself permission to eat the foods that you enjoy. And don't limit yourself, but just make sure you're eating quality, nourishing food. And that's really it. If you stick to that, then, you, you know, you'll, you're winning half the battle here. Right, exactly. The fourth thing is, you again, we've been talking about this this whole time. You need to use how you feel as your guide and really become a good listener for what your body is telling you. Uh, we're very numb to that in this country. It's unfortunate. But your body we're, is a highly intelligent, intuitive machine. And we tend to think that anything we put in our mouths and in our body, oh, no problem. Our body will digest it. We'll be fine. It has to come out anyway. Yeah. But what we don't realize is, you know, we're putting it under a lot of stress always just by putting things in it that it's that are not easily digestible and we're just so not in tune to what's going on so it's difficult to understand but once you start to really listen uh to what's going on in your body you'll you'll hear what it's telling you do you suggest people write things down for that like if you're trying to if you're trying to build trust I feel like you know, building your own vocabulary of what your body feels like, because how we would describe how we feel after we eat is very unique. So if I was actually writing that down and be able to describe what up feels like to me, what energy feels like to me, then 
I might be creating a better relationship with that. I think that's a great idea. I'm not a journaling kind of person. Yeah. So, you know, writing it down on a paper for me isn't the most productive, but I just take out my phone and go to notes and I just write down exactly what I'm feeling. When I was really sick, what I was doing, I was doing it on my calendar. Yeah. And every day I would write down what I would eat and then how I would feel. And that really helped me because then I could go back and figure out, oh, I ate this a week ago. That's why I'm feeling like this three days later. And you, you know, you have to understand your body. A lot of people don't understand digestion that well. And digestion is the key to optimum health. It's not anything else. It's your digestion. So when you think about it that way, any food you put in your body, you want to make sure that you are digesting it properly. And yeah, that's... Yeah. It's, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last thing okay. on the sheet? The last thing is you need to focus on your health. So I wrote down eating ice cream and sugary foods every meal because you can doesn't mean that you should because it's not health supportive. So you have to put your body first and keep your health as the main factor in your decision making, just exactly like what we were talking about. It's more enjoyable to focus on foods that make you feel good instead of focusing on weight and size. So keep it natural. Don't eat processed food. And if you do, just make sure that it's the best kind of processed food. And I'm talking processed like, you know, a loaf of bread or even some seed crackers. Just practice looking at the ingredients and making sure that you can read everything, that it's not full of all this stuff that you can't read and keep it as natural as possible. Really Does that mean that like the ingredients list is short? Yeah, it's shorter. Or you recognize the list of ingredients? Both. Because something could have, you know, let's say I were to go into a supermarket and get like a seed cracker, for example, mm -hmm. from like Mary's Gun Crackers. That's a brand. As an example. Um, you know, they have like 10 different ingredients in there because they have 10 different nuts and seeds that, you, that you, you're using. I would... As long as they look okay and you can read them and you know what they are, then absolutely it's not it's fine. But I would stay away from something like a Dorito, which is a completely <laughs> different story, where you don't even know what's in that. You can't read all of the ingredients. They're full of preservatives, and they're just not good for you, and they're not even natural. I, I don't even get cereal anymore. That's just not a thing in my life. Even granola, I choose to make it instead, which I think is the better better way. Cereal is actually a really good segue to talk about cravings because we had a question from someone. Um, we pulled uh, the Instagrams, the webs today, if anyone had questions for Kelly. And we have one from Jane. And Jane says, I feel like a good question I have been pondering that would love some insight on from Kelly is how can we A, interpret cravings and B, if those cravings are not necessarily good for your body and health, I feel like cheese eating was another thing we were talking about today, mm -hmm. good for your body and health, how can we reach, retrain our bodies to crave healthier things? So despite what people may think, it's a great question, by the way, Jane, awesome question. I was really excited when I read it. Despite what people may think, when you think you're having cravings, it's really just your body telling you, I need nourishment. <laughs> <laughs> and we've only become accustomed to filling these cravings with these, you know, foods that we eat because these are the foods we've grown up with, you know, and a lot of times food, the foods we've grown up with have been advertised as good for you foods, mm. even something like McDonald's. 
That's what? Yeah. You, you think about when McDonald's, you know, started their business. It was easy. It was nourishing. It was a balanced meal, if you think about it. And it was an easy meal. Mm. But there's so many foods that have been labeled as that, but I'm digressing. So when it comes to cravings, I focus on these things specifically with cravings because you really have four types of cravings, a sugar craving, a salt craving, a protein craving, and a hydration water craving. Hmm. And it's really just a matter of identifying what you're really craving and breaking it down. So I can tell when my body is craving sugar when I start to feel like I'm crashing and I'm very easily just sluggish and slow. And if the first thing that comes to my head is donut, I'm like, okay, I need sugar. Because there's nothing I really love about a donut, except for the sugar There's so much to love about a donut. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not something that I'm, you know, I just know that I need need sugar. Your mind just creates a connection, but it's not necessarily the answer. It's not, no. It's not the higher answer for sure. It's definitely not, but you just have to interpret what you're really feeling. Mm. I can tell when my body is craving salt because I feel like I need some sort of replenishment because my blood sugar feels low and I need something salty. And typically when I'm stressed or when I'm hard at work at something and I'm focused, I want something salty to munch on. It's kind of funny, but that's the way it is, or I'm I'm lacking concentration. I remember working at my corporate job for many years, and I would just be on the computer just focusing, and I would crave potato chips or Mm. something like that because I wanted something salty. And I can tell when I need protein because I'm not feeling strong. I feel super weak. Um, I just feel it in my bones. Typically, that's when I am... Premenstruating, menstruating, that's when I need the most animal protein. And then also I can tell when my body needs water. Uh, and I ignore water too. That's a big thing for me. I'm, I'm constantly trying to drink more water. But I can tell when the back of my throat is sore and I just feel sour in my mouth. It has a funky taste. That's when I need it. So it's a matter of identifying those things and then figuring out, all right, well, what do I really need? So, and that goes back to the topic of knowing what textures and what flavors turn you on and what you really love. So, and also making sure you have an arsenal of snacks that are good for you nearby. <laughs> I and, just picturing someone with like a fanny pack. <laughs> snacks right now like an arsenal oh my mother is the poster woman for that (laughs) my whole life she's always had healthy snacks in her bag all the time she is the queen of granola she is the queen of having dried fruit and nuts at all times it's It's hysterical and she would always she would get the little ziploc bags like this and just always have them and it was her thing fruit fresh fruit all the time so you know for example if you like crunch and you need something sweet try having an apple and digest it and then tell me if you have that craving after that because you probably won't um or get some good quality gluten-free granola that's another really good, you know, sweet crunch factor, the uh, quality food that is would be good for you. If you like smooth and salty, I mentioned this earlier, have an avocado with some good quality salt on it. Mm. That'll curb that craving. And, you know, for as a human being, you, you think that you're craving all these things. And then once you start digesting it, give yourself about five to ten minutes after you eat it and tell me if you're thinking about that craving and that particular food. Mm. Because you probably it sounds like it takes a little training. It does a little effort, right? Learning, you know how learning your palate and learning how to cook intuitively and healthily takes a lot of time and investment. And because we live in just the 
world of convenience, it's tough for people to want to go there. You know, everyone is perpetually busy. They don't have time. Their life is too crazy. All of those things. But I definitely know that if you take the time to set yourself up for success and concentrate on what foods work for you and don't work for you, you will succeed and you will, you will know how to eat better. You'll feel healthier. You'll feel more vibrant and energized and all of that stuff. Um, but going back to the cravings, you know, if you, if you feel like you need something savory, you know, have some sauteed mushrooms. It sounds like a weird snack. Like, why would I cook mushrooms? But I do it all the time and I really love it. I'll just throw some herbs in there, saute some mushrooms. It takes two seconds and it's not two seconds, maybe two minutes, but it's really good for you. <laughs> yeah. Or have some good quality cheese with some seed crackers. That's a great snack. Maybe even with um, like a low sugar jam too. I love that. That's my favorite is I'm a sucker for jam and cheese. Um, and I'm not saying don't have chocolate. Just make sure if you do get a good quality chocolate that has, that's made with good ingredients because you will feel, you'll feel some way more satisfied if you have a, you know, rich nutrient, rich quality food rather than something super processed. You just will, but hopefully that helps. Yeah, Jane absolutely. A yeah, um, and I think what what Jane is talking about is is just you know we make these connections in our mind and we make these connections in our desires and we want in that moment when we feel that craving we want that gratification, mm-hmm. but if we're making a higher investment in ourselves and in a, a commitment to be more curious and to see improvement in how we feel and the foods we're selecting, it does take effort and it does take that extra moment of maybe reflecting a little deeper in that moment and making a different decision. Yes. And over time, making the quote-unquote tougher decision or the smarter decision, however you like to label it, does get easier with time. Mm -hmm. For me with with cooking, again, I'm still in my – I'm a baby doe. I'm like, you know, still – my legs are wobbling still. I'm probably in the omelet phase still. But I can see myself, especially moving out of the city – being forced to accelerate my cooking practice. And it's so true what you say about my confidence. Confidence is building. The more intuitive I get and start, Mm -hmm. like, flowing in that kitchen, I'm like, "Mm, let's see what this tastes like. And I put it in there. And then I, like, push it over to my husband once in a while. You know, I'll make food for him. And and I start to get this feedback loop that's more positive. And I feel better about it. And then it makes me more inventive. And And creative. Again, it's baby steps. But that's it okay. It takes time. Yes, it does. And don't be afraid to get experimental. And even don't be afraid to make something bad. <laughs> that's how you learn. Yeah. You know, most people don't know what certain spices taste like. And the only way to learn that you don't like that much cumin <laughs> is to put that much Fuck cumin it <laughs> in it. And then say, ooh, I could have used a little bit less. This has great potential. Next time I'm not going to do that. You know? But... Work to figure out what foods you love and identify what cuisines you love. If you know you love Indian food, experiment with different kinds of curries. It's very easy. Throw together just some vegetables. And if you like meat, go for it. Throw some meat together in in a pan, saute it. Throw in some coconut milk and some Indian spices like turmeric, cumin, paprika. There's so many, even a dash of cinnamon, a little bit, if you want some and mix that all together. Curry powders, throw in a curry leaf and I guarantee you'll make something good. And then you can figure out how to season it from there. I'm all about seasoning with good quality salt and pepper. 
a lot of people stay away from too much salt. I think that it, you really should shift to your perspective and get good quality salt because there's really bad table salt out there that is not good for you. And then there's really good salt and you need salt in, in your diet and in your food to absorb properly because, and think about it, we're made up of salt. What are we, what is the statistic? I forget exactly the percentage and I don't want to tell, mislead anybody, but we're made up of a good amount of salt. So we need salt in our diet. We do. It's the same thing with fats. I get really frustrated with these no oil, low oil um, diets because we do need fat for to absorb the nutrients that goes through our digestive system. It is what it is. I'm all about good quality butter. You know, um, I hate margarine. It has too many ingredients. It's chemicals. I believe that that stuff gives you cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you just, if anyone listening just, and you have margarine, throw it out, get good quality butter, um, or just use olive oil or coconut oil. I believe in those things, but, um, yeah, I digressed a lot. Sorry. No, that's okay. (laughs) We love oil. We love salt. Give it to me. Um, so to, to end, uh, and I think we should go into, um, okay, let's, let's have, obviously finding your freestyle. We want to explore, we want an exercise. We want to learn how to go into this in a curious way. So let's say someone's coming home. They're listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. They're coming home into their kitchen now. Like how can they start to play? How they, how they play and keep it harmonious and allow failure and yeah. all that fun stuff. This is my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> I did this a lot before, you know, I really learned how to cook. And like I said, growing up with uh, my grandmother in her kitchen, she did this too. Look in your kitchen and see what you have. The best way to put together a balanced meal, and really it's all about balance, is making sure you have the right amount of vegetables, proteins, and add in a grain in there for fiber. Um, I like to fill my plate with 50% vegetables, 25% protein, and then a little less than 25% of grains, and then I would put in like an eighth in there for fat. I think you need to have fat in there, but it's not like you, you know, you could have like a cheese or make things with olive oil, make the whole dish with olive oil. Right. Um, So if you follow that and experiment, see what you have, see what you can put together to make that meal. And then I have another formula to tie the room together. It's herb plus a spice plus a sauce. That ties it all together so if you depending on what herbs you have and they can even be dried herbs if you don't have fresh herbs that's totally fine um if you want to make something italian for example okay get basil right and then plus a spice so i would in this case i would probably say a garlic powder if you have fresh garlic that's even better Mm. use that and then a sauce, like a tomato sauce. Put that together, and that will immediately transform your dish to be Italian. You can do even do the same thing with Mexican cuisine. You can put in cilantro in there if you like that. Um, or a spice would be like a chili powder. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I would even put in some lime juice. Or, And then for a sauce, pico de gallo or a red salsa or guacamole even. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and see what see what you can do. And as long as you abide by that. So grain plus protein plus vegetable, then herb plus spice plus sauce, and start to play and see what feels good to you and tastes good to you. It's a fun process, actually. And it, it does demystify how you can make a, a nice dish. Mm-hmm. And it just... 
without necessarily being, okay, a quarter cup of this, you know, it's still playful, Mm -hmm. but there is a foundation to build a Mm -hmm. dish that's phenomenal, that feels like it's an expression of you. I love improv cooking. Um, As long as you, yeah, abide by those formulas and then remember your five tastes and that will give you a good roadmap to figuring out what you love. And then another thing I didn't talk about, um, I love to play with color in food. And I think the more colorful you can get, the better, which is why I like to focus on fresh ingredients. But I like to add in every color of the rainbow I can, or at least contrasting colors. So if I have a green salad, I throw something red in there. I throw Mm. something yellow in there. I throw something purple in there. And I like to taste the rainbow, (laughs) Yeah, for lack of a better word. And I feel like that... When you when something looks beautiful, you are more inclined to eat it for sure. I mean, think and about and take all a picture th- for Instagram. Yes, <laughs> I was about to say that. Think about you know all the food porn pictures on Instagram mm-hmm. that we just go through. If you make something more beautiful and you work with fresh ingredients and you really focus on color in addition to the taste, the textures, you know all the nutrients, all of that stuff, you you will be more inclined to love what you eat for sure. I actually, I I don't know if there'd be a tremendous value for people in this, but I actually like using color when I know that I need assistance activating a chakra. And and we're not going to have time to go in chakras today, but maybe we will another time. But but colors really do associate with different energy centers of the body. And if, if you feel ungrounded and you just yeah. had a day in Brooklyn, you're like, oh my God, my brain is crazy. I experienced so much chaos. You could have a red food, you could have, you know, a dark food if you need it to be uplifted, if you need to feel more intuitive, you know, a a purple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not to talk fully about that because we don't have a lot of time, but to spin off of what you were saying, um, if you want to get in touch with your higher self through eating, just really quickly, you know, think about the source of the food of your, that you're eating and where it comes from. Um, what I'm saying is, if you f- need, if you feel like you need to be more grounded, eat foods that are grown in the ground, like potatoes, like root vegetables, carrots, things like that, because guaranteed you will feel grounded. And this was really my mantra with my um, whole menu for the finding finding yes. free retreat. Um, the food the first was day, the core. So we the, built around the food, if you remember. I do. It was in my kitchen. <laughs> um, the first day, everyone was coming from different places. You know, it was a everyone was in a car in transportation, whether it be a car or in a plane. So everyone was just getting to know each other, yeah. and their you know the energy was buzzing. I could feel it. So I concentrated on you know the grounding foods for that day and making sure everyone felt centered and grounded together. So if you think about it, food that way you'll naturally and intuitively start to see a difference. Mm. If you feel too grounded and too down, Mm. eat food. Heavy, yeah. Eat foods that are grown on trees. Eat more vibrant (laughs) foods. It's so simple. It's kind of so simple if you think about it that way. Like have a peach, Mm -hmm. have an apple, have some citrus. Eat brighter foods. It's really interesting. And if you want to have a combination of those, have you know, a salad with, you know, some, some grains in it with some sweet potatoes, with some sauteed root vegetables, you can start to play, uh, uh, you know, and figure out what works for you and what won't work for you and just color texture, yes, different energetic properties with food. And it, it becomes fun actually, but 
Yeah, that's sort of all I had to say. I just had a, um, I had an idea, and I, it, I probably heard this somewhere. Mm. But if you were gonna do a food meditation, just curious what you'd think about this. Yeah, I, I actually reach out to Kelly a lot to get her permission and approval on things regarding <laughs> food. I'm always sending photos of what I'm making if I'm proud of it. I like, love it. She feels like my it. my food mama. Um, well, in a lot of ways, I've helped you discover what you like and what you don't yeah, like, and it's yeah. great. You know, you were you were really one of my original. <laughs> Beta testers, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. So um, a meditation I was thinking could be kind of nice, especially if you do know you're sourcing food from good places, is before you're eating it or as you sit down to eat it, you can go back, you can go into your imagination and imagine where that food actually came from. So if you have Mm -hmm. a piece of um, a vegetable on your plate, you can imagine in your mind going through the process of how long, how much effort and love and cultivation and selection and energy went into bringing that food to your plate before you eat it. So, so generating more appreciation and maybe even waking up to if the food is not a high quality choice, like knowing where that source is and really making it real, making the source of it real in your imagination so that it food, food starts just, I feel like we're missing making it real. Yeah. And, and making it a, th- a thing that's conscious and that is, like, coming to you for a purpose. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that, too. Not a lot of people know how food is grown, where it comes from, mm-hmm. how it starts. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. You know, is a really good um, uh, ambassador of that is Jamie Oliver. I think mm. he's brilliant, where he goes into schools and teaches kids where food comes from. And, you know, he's he's one of my food idols for sure. He's He's really trying to pave the way to help people understand the origins of food and how to eat better. Brilliant guy. Yeah. But I totally agree with that. You know, um, I, I just think that if we just focus on eating natural whole foods, we will be way better off in the world. And I think that we won't have as many health problems. Uh, we will be more balanced and more importantly, we'll be way more in tune with our own bodies and I think we'll just be more spiritual people. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better word. I mean, it's really just connection, Mm -hmm. connection that there's more that you are involved in than just your own little bubble. And food is such a connection point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a good place to end. Before we close, I just want to let Kelly, you know, tell you how you can find her um, and what offerings that she has in case you're interested in, in, and going into this journey with her. So let's do that. Give us all of the tips on where we can find you. Okay. I, you can find me uh, on, I mean, I'm all over social media. I have my profile on Instagram, conscious under, underscore chef underscore NYC. And I also have a Facebook page called The Conscious Chef. My website is www.consciouscuisinenyc.com. Um, and I have, like I said, an online intuitive cooking program that is all brand new. And I really would love people to sign up and work with me, especially if they're interested in intuitive cooking and, um, healthful living. My program is called from clueless to Craveworthy, And that website is www.cluelesstocraveworthy.com. And I have a masterclass that you can watch, actually, and you can sign up to have a consultation call with me that way. And so if you just go to the website, you can sign up to watch my masterclass, which I highly recommend that you do. And if you are a person who just wants to 
learn how to cook intuitively or just even learn how to cook in general because a lot of people don't know how to cook. My masterclass is called Clueless to Craveworthy, Five Secrets to Go from Clueless in the Kitchen to Making Craveworthy Food You Love. And I guarantee in two months, you will be way more intuitive about food. You will know how to make good meals on the fly. And I've tested it with people. It works. It yeah, totally, it totally does. does. And it is 100% customiz- customizable one-on-one coaching. So uh, it's a great program. And I would love people to sign up and work with me. Um, because I'm passionate about it and I just really want to help people achieve their health and wellness goals. And where else can you find me? Um, Incredible. I am, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say that. Uh, I teach uh, pole choreography classes at Incredible on Sundays at 4.45 p.m. And I love it so much. And they're a great studio. And I love my students. And um, please come to my class. If you're interested in signing up for the retreat, um, Kieli will be uh, doing a bit of instruction and guidance as well at the start of the retreat just to give people... Go the um, you know the maximum experience with her food. Um, what did you want to say about that? No, not about that. But oh. I also um, I also am a private chef and I chef events. So dinner parties in the city, um, any type of catering event that you need done, I can absolutely do it. I do those too. And then I also started putting up my own workshops. There was one coming up for this Saturday called Food, Sex, and Your Senses. But you know, I realized it's Pride Week. And the parade is going on, and it's the middle of summer on a Saturday, so I didn't have anybody sign up for it, which is totally fine. I'm probably going to have it later on. But that was going to be a great, great um, workshop because it's really all about how to find pleasure in food, and not just sexual pleasure. Pleasure is just making, making it making it good for you, if especially if you have disconnections with food and you don't have a good relationship mm-hmm, with food. Mm-hmm. And on the topic of sexual pleasure, how to help your relationship through food and cultivate a better connection with your partner through food. And it, it would be fun. So I'm probably going to have it in a month or so after the summer craze is sort of over. Also, but, if you, if you may, you may have a space where you want to bring her to your space for that workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give everyone an email address if they want to contact you privately. About sure. Something specific. It's Kieli, K-I-E-L-E at ConsciousCuisineNYC.com. Awesome. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly, for your time. And thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, you can leave a comment or send us an email if there's something that you'd really like us to discuss. Um, that's findingyourfreestyle at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you online. I'll see you at an event in the future. Or maybe, you know, when we start hitting those online classes, stay tuned for that. Um, maybe I'll get to work with you someday. Thank you so much for your time. Sending you all the love. Woo, bye, Woo. everyone. Big love. Bye. Happy summer. You've been listening to the Finding Your Freestyle podcast. To learn more about Finding Your Freestyle, visit our website at www.findingyourfreestyle.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook under Finding Your Freestyle.